going to get a love offering for that. And, and uh, But um, a far better blessing that you guys have been than any kind of an offering that you'd ever give him, even if it was 10, 10 bucks. doesn't even matter. You, you guys have been so good to our family. And for uh, 22 years, if you heard me, Thane's 22 years old. This is the, this is the only church that Thane knows. And Tyler just turned three a month after we got here, and this is the only church that Tyler remembers. And Kareth obviously was born here. Matter of fact, Kareth was born on the Friday night of special meetings with Dr. Bond. And uh, needless to say, I wasn't here for that Friday night meeting. And uh, church was small at the time, and, and uh, Kareth was born, I, I can't remember that, that evening rather quickly, and, and, uh, um, and then, well, was, yeah, I guess that was Caesarean, so that's why it was quickly. But anyway, that's been a long time ago. But after the service, that Friday night, the whole church came to see Kareth at the hospital. Uh, Fort Morgan was overwhelmed by the whole church family showing up. But that's just been the kind of family that, that Platte Valley has always been, and and as, it's, as it has grown larger, it still is that family. And we just praise the Lord for all of you. And if you're a visitor today, I pray that you, you see and, and uh, see God's blessings upon us and know that it's God doing this, but it truly is a special place. And, and we just thank God that, that he's the center and that uh, he can bring all kinds of people together from all kinds of walks and and come and, and uh, worship the Lord together and be ministered to. And, and I know that uh, there's some families that are here today uh, in the back. We have some up front that have been dealing with the loss of loved ones over the last uh, couple of weeks. And, and I'm just glad that you guys are here today, that we can, we can uh, minister to you and, and show you what, what a church family truly is about and uh, truly is a blessing. And it's all because of Christ as we saying his praises today, that that is the one thing that, if you know Christ is your Savior, that is the one thing that brings us all together. That, that's the one thing that we have in common. That, that's the one thing that, that crosses all other barriers. And, and, I, and I thank God for that. I, I thank God that he can bring people from different cultures and, and different countries. Like Carol is from, from the country of Texas. And so, welcome to America, sister. We're glad that you're here. And, uh, but, I mean, we have, we have all kinds of walks here. And, and, and it's amazing to me as it has grown, and, and I've tried to grow in, as a pastor and in, in how, how to handle things better and, and handle uh, numbers of people better and still need to grow and figuring those things out. But, but truly, the one that brings that bond and, and that keeps that, it isn't me and it isn't you. It's, it's actually, it's Christ and how, how we can come and we can worship him and, and have all these different ideas and different cultures and different backgrounds and how we were raised different ages and uh, you know, income levels, all of those things and bring us together and, and use us. And it truly is a blessing to see how, how God is doing that. And, and, and this is a place where we live in such a dysfunctional world today that when you find something that 
that is actually biblical and, and normal, people look at that and see that as dysfunctional. And, and they're, they're, what is dysfunctional has become normal. And, and that isn't at all what God wants us to, to, to live by. And, and he wants us to be able to live uh, happily in a dysfunctional world. And, and there are all kinds of things that come up that, that would bring unhappiness and grief and heartache. And, and we see that every day. But God still wants us to have a joy in our heart that, that he gives us that can never be taken away. Well, our world wants, us to, wants to rob us of that. And the, the world, and, and by the world, the, the entire system that, that we live in today, and, and not, not just in our country, not just in our state, but in worldwide, th- this entire world that we have today, this physical world is Satan's domain today. Do, you, do we understand that? I, I mean, we, we shouldn't expect that this world is going to get better. It is going to get worse as as Satan continues to deceive and, and Satan continues to blind the eyes and, 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 what an op- uh, and, and what an awakening it was when, when I heard Tyler mention this stat that, that in 1901 there were 50-some men that were uh, in colleges that were going out into the ministry every year. 50-some thousand when there was just a little over 1 billion people in the population. Now there's over seven and a half billion in this in this world, and there are fewer than fifty thousand going into the full time ministry every year. No wonder the world is getting worse. Where where are those that that are that are going to stand up and preach and proclaim the word of God? Where is it that that we've we've lost the 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 the, the vigor of, of sharing the gospel and, and seeing other lives changed and how we've been so caught up in this world and, and the world is constantly bombarding us with these things and, and the world hates God. This entire system is against God and, 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 they, and they rail against God and they try to, to pull our attention away from God and, and, and pull our families and distract us from truly what is important. And, and when we get into Psalm 2, that's where we'll be today. And, and I apologize, I didn't give you a handout today. We, my, uh, my, my wife is my secretary, and she's the one that types that. And, and, and I'll just have to be honest with you. I do not know how to type. I can peck it out. But to put it on a format and then forget it. It's just a, it's not going to happen. So I was going to give you a written one and then photocopy it. And I thought, you know what, you just have to pay attention. I did give it. To, to our screen, so you'll have it up there, all right? But, but uh, Psalm 2, you know what we see in Psalm 2? If you can picture this, try to, try to picture that, that we are in a, a courthouse today, and we're in a great trial. And, you know, there, there have been some great trials throughout history, and I, I, I wrote a few of these down, and I don't know if anyone uh, 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 read about this or studied it, or, and, and I can't remember the date, but Scope's Monkey Trial, anybody remember reading about that? And, and maybe it was the time when some of you were alive when this thing took place. I don't remember when it was. So don't remember the date. I'm not trying to insult you, all right? But, but it, uh, talking about introducing evolution into our schools. And, and there was a great trial uh, about that. There was the Rosenberg Trial of the, 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 those that had committed treason. The Nuremberg Trials where they 
tried many of the Nazis after World War II, and one of the famous ones of those was the trial of Adolf Eichmann. And, and then, uh, of course, the ones in America, Charles Manson was, was one. And then we, we think about, I can't but help think about uh, a great trial of O.J. Simpson. Remember that? And I've, I know I've given this testimony many times. Teresa and I were at Bible college when, when uh, that all took place. And as a matter of fact, when you were watching O.J. run down the interstate in the, the white Bronco, my wife was screaming at me because I was watching the TV instead of helping her with her labor pains as we were in the delivery room with Tyler. I'm like, breathe a little bit. I want to see what's going on, you know? <clears throat> Didn't work. I want you to know that. Any of you, they, they had, they're probably a lot fancier now, but they had this little machine that would, that would give you a readout when the labor pain was coming, you know, so she could give you a heads up. She should give me a little better heads up, you know, here comes the pain, you know, but I was supposed to be watching that. But anyway, the great trial of O.J. Simpson and then even Michael Jackson's trial with the uh, pedophilia and all the mess that went on in his life. And then, uh, and, but anyway, we go and we, and we look at these trials and, and we have these, these times where we can remember the, those that were the, the plaintiff. We have those that were the defendant. We have the, the, the great uh, advocates or the lawyers of the day and, and those, those kinds of, that, that were there. And, and, uh, but I, I think of those trials. And so I want you to try to place yourself in that trial today because the greatest trial that has ever taken place is still taking place today. And it's the world versus the Creator. And the world is a dysfunctional place that wants nothing to do with God whatsoever. And they are going to bring some railing accusations against our God. And then we're going to see how God defends himself. And we're going to see the great advocate. So let's look at verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 2. And we see the plaintiff in this dysfunctional world and it starts off, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? And so here the psalmist writing, God's the one that preserved this. God the one is the, uh, the one that's actually saying this. God is still asking that question today. And, and the heathen are those nations, those people that do not know Christ as their Savior, whether it be here in America or whether it be in Europe or Africa or one of the seven continents or whatever. And so uh, those that do not believe and have trusted in Christ. And, and it says the heathen, that, and why is it that they rage? Why is it that, that here they are, these unbelievers, these idolatrous nations that are following after something that's not God and, and they're raging and they're tumultuous and they're, 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 all they are are disturbed and bring such a commotion. You know, I saw that there's some group called Disturbed, and it definitely is a, uh, it, it truly is a, a picture of, of what our world is today, and that, that lead singer definitely looks like the, uh, the disturbed world that it is today. And, and 
uh, attitude and, and songs that they sing and represents a disturbed world today. And, and so he asks the question then, so why is it that the heathen rage? And here they are, they're, they're standing up in, in this tumultuous way and they're, and they're trying to put God on trial here and they're, and they're trying to silence him and they're, they're, they're trying to deny him and they're, they're blind in their ideas and they're, they're, and they're blind in their actions and they're living a way that is completely away from God and trying to deny his existence in any way whatsoever. And so it brings them to a point where the people imagine a vain thing. That word imagine, we saw in Psalm 1 and, and verse 2, it says that, but, if, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Those that are blessed, those that are righteous, those that are happy are meditating upon God's word day and night. They're meditating upon who God is and how good He is. And they're meditating upon the mercy that He has shown to us in giving His Son to die on the cross and to, and to give us a, a certainty of eternal life and, and, and know that there is one day that things will get much better than what they are here. And, and we meditate upon that while here the earth, the, the heathen, as they're raging in their in their the, the commotion of the world and in the noise of the world and they're, they're raging in their minds of this and they're imagining, they're meditating upon things that are vain, that are worthless and not good for anything whatsoever and do not help. Do you realize that anything in this world that is of the world has absolutely nothing to do with God? Oh, how careful we need to be and and we are living in a dysfunctional world, and if we are going to listen to their noise and we're going to listen to the rage and the commotion that, that the world is bringing, then we're never going to have the happiness, the joy that God is talking about here. And we can have it. And so the heathen, they rage, and they imagine these vain things, and, and then it goes on, and, and the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord. And so here they are. They're, they're, they're trying to say that, God, we want to bring you down to our court. And we want to sit you in the defendant's seat here. And, and we have some questions that we're going to ask. And, and we're going to rage against you. And we're going to imagine these things against you. And, and we're going to set ourselves up against you. And, and, the, and the world we see is doing that still today. Oh, our... United Nations, we think about the representation that they are of the world and they, they deny the existence of God. They, they want to deny the very existence of God's chosen nation of Israel and they want to wipe it off of the map and they, and they, and they, uh, they want to continue to take over the world and, and, they, and they are communistic in their ideas. And, and do you understand that that Darwinism and communism are both straight out of the depths of hell. And so we see that it's that it is the result of imagining a vain thing. And so in doing so then and making themselves more powerful than the Creator, they set themselves up against God Himself. And not only do they set themselves, and, and that means to take a stand as if preparing for battle, we know how that ends. We know how the world at the final time in the Battle of Armageddon, 
there they're going to set themselves up. And it's there at the end of that tribulation that those nations are going to be wiped out. It tells us then that Jesus is going to come and he's going to set up his new throne upon Mount Zion in Jerusalem and for a thousand years he's going to reign and and we're going to see this in a moment that that he's going to break them and and even after a thousand years of a perfect reign of a perfect son we see that they're still going to rise up against them and this time they will be completely shut down and be cast into the lake of fire forever to lose but here they set themselves up to do battle against God and they take counsel together and they seat themselves close together to deliberate and, and to give thoughts in, in how that they can, uh, they, they can uh, 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 challenge God and they deliberate against Him and they not only do they deliberate against the Lord but and against His anointed, the Messiah, Christ, the Chosen One how they can deliberate, and so here they are. They, they want to bring God, and they want to set Him in that seat, and, and they want to ask Him all of these questions, and they, they want to bring Him down out of heaven, and they want to set Him there, and, and they're going to post themselves as being more powerful than God. And this is the dysfunctional world that we are living in today. But we don't have to listen to it. And, and we don't have to abide by what they're saying. We do not have to believe what they are telling us. But we truly can live joyful and happy in a dysfunctional world. And their attitude is one that is stated in verse 3. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Oh, I've, I, I, look, I've talked to people all the time, try to tell them about Christ and and they need to trust Christ as their Savior. And, and some of them have told me, well, I'm just not quite ready to give up my lifestyle. Well, that means that you must really like walking around with those handcuffs on. You must really like having those uh, bonds that have you in bondage and, and you have no choice to make, but you think you're in love with that lifestyle and that, that you want this lifestyle and that's what brings you happiness, but it never brings happiness and you know that. All it does is bring a numbness in your life and helps you to forget all the problems that you have in your life for just a little moment and then you find out that those things that you are medicating upon, whatever it may be, that the world is trying to offer you, that all it is is an addiction behavior and the more you got to have it and the more you get it then then the more that you need it and then pretty soon you're giving everything else away just to get exactly what it is that you think is going to medicate the problem and give you the numbness and it never works you'll never be happy so stop telling some believer that loves you enough that that you need to trust christ to understand a true freedom and a true liberty and you need to quit getting mad at them and, and you need to quit thinking that you're in love with that lifestyle. Look, you never will know if what freedom is and what liberty is until you finally go to Christ and you give it all to Him and you trust Him as your Savior and He takes all that sin away and He forgives you and the burden is gone and then you'll know freedom. Then you can know happiness. Then you can know joy because He doesn't give you some a shot of Novocaine that's going to help you to forget your pain for a little while, he takes it away and throws it away. And you can truly rejoice in what the Son can do in your life. And you rejoice in who he is and 
what he's doing. And, and here they are. They're saying, oh, let us break their bands asunder. Oh, how he's going to keep us in bondage. No, he doesn't. He's the one that finally gives us liberty. And gives us a joy that can't be taken away by this dysfunctional world. And so here they are in their pride and their arrogance and bringing God to trial and saying, oh, how we want to do this. And then we see the defendant. He that sitteth in the heavens. He doesn't even come down. Doesn't have to. How in the world do we as a creation think that we have any kind of a power to our Creator when we can't even go where He's at? If you're so powerful and in your mind that you are so great, then take me to the heavens. Put me on a spaceship and send me to the very throne of God that sits in those heavens. I want to see where He's at. I want to take a picture of it and bring it back here. I'm sorry, we can't even get out of this world that God's made. We can't even get out of the one universe that, that is here. Can't even get through the one galaxy. They don't have no clue how many stars are in this world. They have no idea how many galaxies there are. We can't even see to the very depth of the creation that God has made. Here they want to call Him in court and say, hey, we want to bring these accusations against you and He sits in heaven and He laughs. And He laughs. He laughs at this world. This Look, this, this ought to bring joy to our hearts in that there are so many in our world today that are shaking their fists at God and they're denying God and they're trying to tell us that the only way that we can live in this world is abide by our rules and abide by our standards and, and abide by our humanistic ideas. And this is the only way that you're going to have joy. And, and we're saying, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so at all. You can... You can live by all that stuff that keeps you in bondage, but I serve a God today that is far greater than you. I serve a God that's greater than this world. I serve a God that, that created everything, that molded everything that we have here. I, I serve a God that loves me enough that said that in His mercy, He's not going to destroy it like He did on Noah's Ark with, with the great flood. He said, I'm not going to do that now, but in my mercy, I'm going to save those that will be saved and, and those that will come unto me, I will give them eternal life. And, 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 and here, there's going to be many that re reject me and but it's okay. Those that know me as their Savior, you're going to look up and you're going to see the power that God has upon all of this power in this universe. And he laughs. He laughs. Oh, the God that we serve is so powerful. We have no idea of the power that God can show. He's the very God who parted the, the Red Sea and let his people walk through safely. He's the one who parted the, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the river and opened the banks and, and opened up the river and let the people of Israel go through. He's the one that knocked down the walls of Jericho. He's the one who will win the battle of Armageddon with a spoken word. A spoken word. And he'll destroy the nations to where the blood will flow to the depth of the bridle and the mouth, the bit 
in the horse's mouth, and he'll do so with a spoken word. The God that we serve, he laughs at those who mocks him. The Lord shall have them in derision. He'll have them stammering. When God comes, and there will be a day when he comes, they will fear. Do you know it tells us that there's going to come a day when God shows his wrath upon this world? And I thank God that I won't be here, nor will you if you know Christ is your Savior. But it tells us that it will get so bad in this world that people will be crying and asking God to let them die, and he will not allow them to die. God has all power over life and death, and he's not going to allow them to die so that they can see his wrath. Oh, there is coming a day. There is coming a day where God is going to say, that's enough. And he will stand and defend himself. And when he does, they will stammer. They will be afraid. And ultimately, they will bow. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them, dismay them, terrify them in his sore displeasure. And that sore displeasure has the idea of a burning anger. You know, I was going to try to use some examples of this throughout the Scripture, and <clears throat> I, I just chose not to for time's sake, but there are some scary times where God showed just a small piece of his wrath. Just a small piece. He got mad at David. When, when David numbered Israel, and God said, don't do it. That's all he did. He numbered Israel, and it was out of pride. Almost 80,000 people lost their lives because of his disobedience. When Korah stood up against Moses, do you remember that? Korah and all those that followed him were swallowed up in the earth. The very next day, Israel comes to Moses and are mad at Moses, and they're mad at God because he got of Korah and all of those that stood up against God and against Moses. And guess what? They all died too. And many of them were, and they were still dying. And it was Aaron that then took and, and, he, and, he, and he went and he made an offering and, and he got the incense. And it says that Aaron stood between the dead and the living. And through that, God stopped what he was doing. Do you not think that those people were afraid? Do you not think that we would be afraid if God came in here and said, for those of you who are just playing the game, I'm going to wipe you out, and he wipes you out right now in a great plague, or, or he wipes you out by burning you up in a fire, or whatever it may be. Do you not think that that would not wake us up? Do you not think that it would the church when Ananias and Sapphira came and, and said, oh, here we are. We're giving this great offering to God and, and we're giving it sacrificially and, and we're giving him everything that we have. And Peter says, Ananias, you have lied about what you're doing. They're going to carry you out feet first. And he dies and they haul him out of the church. And then just a few hours later, Sapphira comes in. He asks her the same question. She says, oh, yes, we gave him everything that we have. And we're not lying, but we're just a great sacrifice. And Peter said, just as we haul out your husband, 
We're going to take you out also. And guess what? She died and they took her out of the church that day. And it said then that the rest of the church feared and trembled over what God had done. The time when when the priest, God was wiping out Israel because as they were coming into the promised land and they were still in the wilderness and they started having adulterous affairs with the Moabites, tells us that God started wiping them out because of their disobedience and their grievous sin against God. It tells us that that priest went into the tent of those that were having that affair, the one that was still left, and in their, in, in their, in their stubbornness and their anger and their, and their shaking their fist at God, and it says that he took a spear and he rammed them both through and killed them for their sin. And you know what God said? I'll bless that man because of what he, the, the, the defense that he had of the glory of God. See, our world can shake their fists all they want to against our God. But He is Almighty. And there is a time where, yes, we need to praise Him for His love. We need to thank Him for eternal life. We need to praise Him for His Son. We need to praise, praise Him for all the things that we have. And we need to understand and realize that this dysfunctional world wants you to shake your fist at God. Look, I have had believers tell me that there's going to, I'll never forget this one. This lady told me, she said, I, there are some times where I just shake my fist at God and when I get to heaven, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell Him about these things. And may I say, you will not do that in front of God. You will not treat Him disrespect. You will not treat him in contempt. There will come a day where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he's not going to put up with it as a child of God and you and your disobedience and doing those things. God is righteous and holy and can do whatever he wants to and he's perfect in doing it. But our dysfunctional world wants to tell us to shake our fist at God and oh, how we need to get past that. He laughs at those. He shall have them in derision. He shall speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. But then you know what I love? Well, that could be the end of it. That could be the end of it. God say, fine. You know what? I'm just going to wipe them out. He said that to Israel. To Moses. More than once. He told Moses one time, he said, you know what I'm going to do? Wipe them all out. I'll just start with you, Moses. And Moses begged him that he wouldn't do it. And so God didn't do it. But he still killed a bunch. God grows weary. And God knew for the foundations of the earth the pride and the arrogance and the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, all these things are going to be against God. He knew what this world was going to come to. He knew that it was going to evolve into something more wicked and more wicked and more wicked. And he knew and understood all of that. And in his holiness and in his righteousness, he knew. That with that, 
there was no future for this world. And that ultimately it would all have to be destroyed. And so he brings in an advocate. He brings in one that can bring that barrier that hinders us from coming to him, our sin, and he brings it to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So this advocate stands up, says, Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That place where Jesus will reign for that thousand years. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son this day, have I begotten thee. Not only is Jesus a king, but Jesus is also the very son of God that saves any that call upon him. For God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so he paved the way for each one of us and he declared the decree, my son is the king. My son is the Savior. My son is my only begotten. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. You know, I've, I've heard guys preach that at the great white throne that we're going to see that and that we're going to be a part of that and that we're going to feel guilty because we're going to see people go into hell that, that we should have been witnessing to. I don't see any proof of that, but I do see proof that there will be one that is at the great white throne judgment. And that's Jesus. Jesus will be there. And the reason that those unbelievers are going to be cast into a place that was not even designed for them, but was designed for Satan and his uh, flocks of enemies of, of God himself, the demons of the day, but those are going to be cast into there because of their rejection of him. Jesus will also be there to see that. And you'll see them cast into a devil's hell for all eternity. But during his reign while he's here, he'll have the earth for his possession. Now shall break them with a rod of iron. The heathen, that is Jesus' inheritance, he'll break them with a rod of iron. You see, he came the first time as the Lamb of God. He comes the second time as the Lion of Judah. Lions aren't nearly as nice as the Lamb. And he'll break the heathen with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. He also tells us in the, in the New Testament, in the uh, Gospels, that he'll also grind them into powder. That's the God that we serve. But this is the Jesus that saves us. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. May I say, too, that in this world, look, we, we have a responsibility as believers today to take care of those things that we have. We ought to take care of our, our world as best that we can. I agree with that. But we're not going to destroy it. We don't have the power to do that. And these people that want to tell you this, and, and they're telling us that 
AOC is telling us that it's going to be gone in, in 12 years. The, the prince in England, I don't even know his name, the one that used to be married to the whoremonger that died in the car crash. And I know it's a bad thing to say, but you know what? That is what she was. But anyway, whoever this, this, the prince is, whatever his name is, Charles, that's his name, says that, oh, it's not 12 years, it's a year and a half. We're going to destroy the world. It's up to God. And it won't, I can guarantee you that our world is going to last at least seven more years. Actually, it's going to last a thousand and seven more years from today. Because at the end of the millennium, this world is burnt up. And we're in a new Jerusalem. We're in a new heavens. But we have people that are always constantly denying the power of God. He says, be wise now. Therefore, O ye kings, that is the world leaders, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Listen to what the Word of God says. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. And then the last thing. How are we happy in a dysfunctional world? We kiss the sun. Do you remember the story when Jesus sat down to eat with the Pharisees and the Pharisees needed Christ as their Savior. And, and he wasn't very patient with the religious group of the day because they were unsaved and they needed to trust him. And they were counting on their works. And they liked their works. They liked the power that they had over everybody else. They liked their formal religion. They loved all of these things. And Jesus couldn't stand any of that. But, but he sat down with them to have dinner. And, and, he, and he wanted to give them an illustration and show them what pure religion is about and, and what the kind of relationship that you truly ought to have with him to have joy and happiness in this dysfunctional world. And while he's sitting there and they're, and they're eating, they're, it tells us that there was a lady that came in and, and she comes in and she's on her hands and her knees and, and it tells us that she can't quit crying and, and that she comes up to Jesus and, and she's there by his legs and, and it tells us that she's boohooing. I mean, she is grieving. She is upset and, and her tears are falling out of her eyes and coming off of her cheeks and they're landing on the feet of Jesus. And, and it tells us that then she takes her hair and she's down on her hands and her knees and she's taking her hair and she's wiping those tears off of the feet of Jesus. And, and she can't even look up to him, but she's just there and she's worshiping and she's praising the one that she knows that can give her life the one that truly is, is understanding her heart and, and her needs and meets those needs. And, and it's there that Jesus showed the Pharisees what a true relationship with Jesus was all about. You want to be happy in a dysfunctional world? Then kiss the sun. It says that she kissed his feet. She wiped away the tears that were falling upon them with her hair. And she worshiped her Lord. That lady today, I am certain for all eternity, is worshiping her Savior. Pharisees, not so likely. We kiss the Son. We worship Him for who He is. And what he does for us every day. Not only has he given us eternal life, but he has given us security. 
He has given us provision. He's given us protection. He has, he, he has given us a, a, a settledness and a contentedness in our hearts and in our lives that this world never will have. But he gives it to us. We kiss the sun, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Kiss the sun, you worship him. Lest he be angry and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, you respect him. You respect him for who he is. He's God. You stand up for him in your faith. You tell others about the joy that he can give you and the bondage that he releases you from. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. And you trust him. You trust him. You trust him every day. Not only for your salvation, but you trust him every day in your walk. And you give him all the honor and the glory because he deserves it. He's the one. Jesus is the one that made peace with the God who laughs at this world and their mockery and could wipe it out with one spoken word. And he bridged the gap so that we can go to our Father. We can, first of all, call him our Father. Secondly, we can go to him as our Father. Thirdly, we can trust him to live in a dysfunctional world and have happiness. It's all with Jesus. All with Jesus. Let's kiss the Son. Let's worship him. Father, I thank you. I thank you for our Savior. Without him, I couldn't even do what I'm doing by coming to you in prayer. But I can come to you. Not only am I coming to you, but I'm actually approaching in the very throne in heaven. And I can stand in front of you today and ask these petitions because of what Christ has done. And I thank you. And I'm sorry whenever I fail you. I'm sorry when our church fails you. And I pray that we would do better in giving you the honor and the glory for everything that we do and say. And Father, I pray that you'll search the hearts of each one who's here today, including mine, and show us if there's anything in our lives that hinders us from being what you want us to be, that today we deal with it. Whatever it may be, we nail it to that cross. Maybe it's a sin of unbelief. There might be one here that has rejected you through their lives. And today, they realize they need to trust you. And that today they would. I don't know what it may be. If it is that, I pray that you'd save that one. I pray that you'd help us as believers to be obedient to you. And Lord, help us to kiss the Son. Worship Him for all that He has done and who He is. 
Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.